welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Oster. I'm Chris Marone. Hey, and Chris, it is glad to have you. I will give an update to our listeners that Mackenzie Smith is in a really tight battle over there in Pennsylvania. I just got word from her that it's down to 120 votes between her and her opponent to become a judge. So close. So close. She's on the top side, so that is good. Uh, it is a very close, so there probably will be a recount when it is that close. And I'm going to leave all my jokes about whether or not the printing presses are printing new ballots as we speak. I don't want to say that, but nonetheless, let's all hope and pray for Mackenzie that she can be victorious. Uh, and obviously, we wish her the best. But hey, Chris, I like the fact that you are here. We uh, have a lot to talk about this week. And so, so let's. the Supreme Court has been in session. And we are going to get to sports later on because, Chris, I need you to perform the counseling part of your counselor at law. Uh, can you can you be my it. counselor today? Um, today is going to be that day, Joel. Because I'm like, a, I need you to be a bartender slash counselor slash whatever, because my yeah. chiefs are just in a world of hurt. And I need to know that the sun will still come up tomorrow. So but, hey, well, that's going to be the end of this podcast. This week. You got What's a gift that? this week. You got a really good gift this week from the football gods. So it's we gonna did. it's gonna be a good talk, to, you know, so about God, what's gonna happen. You're saying God is a foot as a Chiefs fan. I, I like that. I, I'm tracking I mean, with you. Yep. But first, Andy Reid is a very good man of faith. I'm sure the Lord favors him on occasion. And and the cheese cheeseburger. So a man of faith and the cheeseburger. And so oh, yes. um, he's he's a good guy. <laughs> yeah, all kinds of great Andy Reid jokes. I don't even want to start on those. Maybe one of these episodes will run through all these great Andy Reid jokes. But nonetheless, the Supreme Court is was in session this week and they were not shying away from a challenge. And they had two highly controversial cases in front of them, abortion and and guns and, and right. so hey they, they jumped right into the thicket let's start uh with women's health a whole woman's health v jackson the supreme court took up the issue of abortion and um the issue chris in this case was not necessarily abortion but not how even a little texas, bit right how texas went about drafting this law to avoid the supreme court from reviewing their law now, at, right. at a certain glance, is that not problematic to everyone? That, or, or is that a good thing that a state will draft the law, pretty much designed wholly to tell the the, the federal government, the Supreme Court, back mm-hmm. off. We're tired of you telling us how to live our lives in Texas. We want to. <laughs> we have, I don't know, Six Flags uh, over Texas. I don't know what their thought process is. Does did that bother you? Well. It bothers me on a couple levels. One, I think, I mean, I'm a a constitutional guy, so the 11th Amendment applies to a lot of things. So I think our federal government has done some overreach on some stuff. But I also think, like, you can't just go, uh, I'm going to put a little three-sentence kicker in this at the end of the contract and say, by the way, uh, federal courts can't review what's going on. And as we get into this case, it's going to be one of the few times that I look over at Brett Kavanaugh and I'm like, you know what? You're actually uh, in tune with what's going on right now. And I happen to agree with you, sir. So it was definitely uh, an interesting way to look at it. But if you could do that, then every state in the union could have a discussion of what the federal government can and cannot prosecute and can and cannot take up under their banner of 
anything, right? I could I so could write you out of the interstate commerce issues. I could write you out of, um, you know, the gay marriage issue of recognizing marriages from other states. Like all of these things are are things you could just quote unquote write the federal government out. It's it's fun. It's a it's it's a fun way and a a great trot and to see where the court's litmus test is because I think Texas wrote this law knowing it was going to get challenged. There was right, there was no absolutely. doubt that this was going to get challenged. But I think Texas thought the court would take up the abortion part of it and not the procedural part of it. Okay, for our non-lawyer listeners, let's unpack True. what is that issue. Because they might have missed the, the, um, the nuances here of what Texas tried to do. Texas basically, I think you and I can both agree, tried to give the federal government the old middle finger, say, hey, back off. We don't want you reviewing our law. That's what they did. How did they go about doing it? You mentioned the 11th Amendment. The 11th Amendment on its face basically says private citizens of one state cannot sue another state in federal court. Now, that has been interpreted over the years as meaning no private citizen can sue a state in federal court. In fact, the only entity that can sue a federal government uh, or I mean a state government in federal court would be another state and maybe a, a foreign jurisdiction. Uh, but private citizens can't. And so in, I th- believe it's 1905 or 1908 in a case, ex parte like yeah, yeah. young, the Supreme court was dealt with a case involving the railroad and the Supreme court, really wanted to be able to review this state law. They wanted to strike the state law down as unconstitutional. And so they create this little bit of fiction where they say, you know what? We know private citizens can't sue the state, but we we really want to get at this this law. We want to rule this law down and and strike it down as unconstitutional. Here's what we're going to do. We are going to allow private individuals to sue state officials in mm-hmm. federal court, enjoining those state officials from doing their job, which would be enforcing whatever law that they want to to strike down and enjoin. Right. So they got around the Eleventh Amendment pro- prohibition of you can't sue the states by saying, but you can sue state officials who enforce this law. So you understand where we're going there? I get it, but I'm also a lawyer. But this is and it's a, it's a fun way of, of of having this discussion because. A lot of people are confused, as I've read through different news posts or whatever, of what's actually going on. Because a a good contingent of people believe that this is about the six-week abortion ban. And it has absolutely nothing. That just is the subject of the case. That isn't the subject of what's on issue for the Supreme Court. So you get a lot of people that are heated on both sides of this issue, which is, we all know, a a very high-charged issue, highly opinionated issue. And the Supreme Court's over here going like, yeah, y'all could go fight over this stuff what we're actually here to talk about is this procedural point of what texas did chris you made a great point there and i don't know if you meant to or if you stumbled into it but you made a great point that from the public's perspective this is about abortion but it's not it has nothing to do with abortion here's why this is important i think the supreme court took up this case this quickly because they want to rule according to the public's perception in favor of the, the the abortion side because it right. will seem less political. So the public's going to see this opinion and go, ah, this is a win for the abortion providers, the abortionists, right. and therefore this is not a political decision. And so maybe this that will be a win for this court as they try to fight back 
court packing. Do you think that went through the court's mind when they granted cert on this case? Maybe. I think um, I, I think it's a, a different thought for the court because if the court rules on this case and says, yes, Texas, you can write us out of your laws, that's the court giving up power. And the court will never do that. The court they will don't. never, ever, ever give up power. They will, they will hold it as long as they can. So I think they granted cert quickly in this to stomp out other states from trying to now pass legislation that says we can cut out the federal court on these issues. Right. That is the big issue. Let's leave right. the, the substantive issue aside. A blank line. Whether You mentioned abortion. You mentioned gun right. rights. You mentioned right. religious rights. Uh, the Commerce Clause. Whatever right you want to put there. Can a state write its laws such that it's, it cuts out the federal government from reviewing that state law? Now, Chris, I want to back up here and just say, hold on a second. Why is that a bad thing? Because we have the 11th Amendment. The 11th Amendment right. was ratified by the states in 1795. Theoretically, right. the idea was you can't sue a state government in federal court because mm -hmm. you don't want the federal court to rule on what a state does. Right. So how, how is that you, now a bad thing? But you also have to weigh that I have a right to redress the courts in the first amendment. I have a right to petition my government. If the state government is trying to take away my rights, who do I go to when the state government's trying to do that? Who do I get to play to, to have an equal or level playing field against the state government? Let's take abortion out of it. Let's say that the state of Arizona, which the, I live in the great state of Arizona says, I cannot root for the Arizona Cardinals to win at football. Okay. That, who do I sue? Because it's an Arizona-based team. It's an Arizona um, state law. Who do I sue to say, no, that's an infringement on my state rights? All right. Who do you sue? So you're saying when it comes to your federal rights your, to free speech, who right. do you sue if the state of Arizona denies to your rights? So let's unpack what actually happened. Because yeah. in 1795... You right. did not have the 14th Amendment. You did not have not the Civil all. War. You had the, the First Amendment that said Congress shall make, shall no, make law. no law. Congress should not do this. It did not apply to the states. And then Correct. you had the Civil War. Then you had the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, which really seemed all work to say, look, even the states, you cannot work to deny citizens their federal rights. And so now it's not just Congress. It's really... Anyone. So the, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments passed after the 11th Amendment. They probably As numbers would, do. Right, exactly. I, I'm um, not, not a math major. Probably should have right, been. Right, but we can count. Exactly. And so that would probably uh, usurp, it would trump the 11th Amendment when it comes to, right. look, the 14th Amendment was passed afterwards. Surely that gave the federal government the right to review state action that violates your federal constitutional rights. And so right. basically here what, what Kagan said, I loved her quotes. It's available on our other podcast. I did the, uh, I, I quoted on our update. She said, look, these geniuses in Texas think they can get around our laws. Uh, no, our review, I don't think so. We're going to figure this one out. So Chris, we don't know 
how they're going to figure it out. What we do no. know is they will figure it out, and they will not allow Texas to evade, uh, have their laws be evade const- federal review. Yeah. So I and I yeah, there's no doubt in my mind. However, they fall on this, and and again, it, this isn't you know endorsing abortion or anti-abortion or anything to that effect. The court will not allow themselves to become just some random like figurehead of a court. They are going to make sure that they are still the last, the court of last resort and the last word on anything. So however this comes down, it's going to be a nod to states of how not to write their laws. And then we're going to have another case that comes up where the people who want to challenge abortion are then going to challenge this law a second time under abortion um, issues and right. in, in Roe v. Wade and all that jazz. So I think that case is coming up late. I believe the first of December, basically another yep. month, the, the case that is going to challenge Roe v. Wade on its face is coming to the Supreme Court. And so as you brought up, I only give you credit for this. Maybe the court accepted cert on this case just so that it could then later on rule the other way. And from the public's perspective, that might be a split decision. I don't know why they, why they took this case, but nonetheless, yeah. uh, there, there you go. All right. Well, they took the Moving case so they on. could tell states not to, not to write laws this way. That's why they took the case is so they could say, look, we're a conservative court. Texas is a conservative case, but we're still not going to let conservatives do this because the long-term ramifications of removing the Supreme Court from power is not something we're going to allow at all. They are right. quick to move when their power is on the line. As and, and Chris, every I, I've often referred to this, what you just pointed out, as the smell test the, the, or the stink <laughs> test, whatever you want to say. The, the if test. something just stinks to the Supreme Court, they're right. going to take it up. They're going to fix it. They're going to get rid of that stink. And this does not right. smell good. This nope. is Texas saying, we don't want you to review our law because so we're going to write it in such a way to be cute, to avoid your review. And the court's right. going to say, this stinks. We're smelling. We're going to smell this out. You're not going to get away with it. And so we both agree. And pretty much all legal experts agree. The court will review this law and, and um, uh, how they get there. I don't know, but I do think that's how the court, what the court is going to do. All right, let's move on to the new, the, the gun case, the New York rifle case. Oh, this yeah. is a fascinating Second Amendment case. They're premised in New York. So let me just say a little bit about what I know about the case and have you fill in some of the blanks. But New York has this law that says if you want a handgun in the city of New York, then you have to apply for a permit. Now, everyone is in agreement that's arguing this case at the U.S. Supreme Court that self-defense is a valid reason to have a gun. All right. Right. But according to the people in New York who are supporting this law, say, look, not just a general need for self-defense doesn't work. You got to establish proper cause to need a gun for self-defense, i.e. you have been attacked. Now, Chris, I told this joke before. I'm going to tell it again. I don't think the makers of this law in New York understand how mugging works, right? During the middle of a mugging, you can't then take a timeout and say, hey, mugger, I need to go apply for my permit so that I can get this gun for self-defense. But nonetheless, that's the issue before the court. Is this law that requires someone to prove proper cause 
why they need a, a gun for self-defense. Is that constitutional or does that violate the Second Amendment rights? So I think, and, and we've had this discussion before, I have many opinions on guns, um, that it does. It does violate the Second Amendment. Um, it's a, it was a law, and we also have to realize the law was written back in 1911. So we're looking at a 110-year-old law that really hasn't changed much. It hasn't developed much. New York really hasn't touched it. But it, it, is, it is one of those things where you kind of need to strike it down and come back to New York and go, you need to be better about what you're doing when you're when you're writing laws. You can't just have blanket you know, laws aren't Twitter posts. You don't get to just say something and throw it out in the ether and make it so broad and you know vague and overconnecting that it makes absolutely no sense. You know, the the idea of self-defense is innately American as apple pie. And so I think that the the court's going to come in and and honestly, the court asked a lot of the right questions as I was going through the transcript earlier. Um, they didn't ask the questions I wanted to ask about scrutiny and, and clarifying Heller, which we'll we'll get to. But the the idea that this case is is even coming up after 110 years makes me giggle because New York should have been smarter about their legislation. They they should review these laws and be like, yeah, that needs to be changed and updated and we need to figure out what's going on. Cause in 1911, when this law was made, guns were different. People were different. Populations were different. Feelings right. about guns were different. Like the, the socioeconomic status of people in New York who had guns, who didn't have guns, how many people didn't have guns. Cause back then a lot of people had guns. In 1911, we were gearing up for prohibition. It was a very different time in America with, and the, you know, organized crime was coming over and people had a lot of anti-Irish sentiment or anti-Chinese. And like, there was a lot of things going on in New York at the time that made this act make sense in 1911, but not make sense post 1960. Wow, and so that is, that is it, a fascinating it, issue that you brought up. This law has been around for over a hundred years. And Chris, what I immediately thought about was the Ten Commandments litigation. Are you familiar with the right. Ten Commandments litigation? There's hundreds there, of Ten Commandments cases. Right. There are these monuments that, like the Fraternal Order of Eagles, established, yep. erected back, like, you know, before 1950, a long time mm -hmm. ago. And according to the Supreme Court, they've been up for an awfully long time. The fact that these monuments have been up for a long time without controversy speaks to the fact that they're probably constitutional and not an unconstitutional establishment of religion. So right. when you say this law has been around for over 100 years without real controversy, in other words, no one has challenged it, will that right. play into the court's decision? Because theoretically, you've had the Second Amendment right since what 1791 uh that right. hasn't changed second amendment has not been ratified so why has no. there not been a challenge to this law over the last 100 years that i was a did you see anything well, in the transcript that spoke to that history we also got to know that this case was been challenged a few times over the past hundred years, probably in the last like 30 years, it's been challenged more and it's, it's morphed a little bit. The courts kind of passed the ball a couple times. The, the, the court and the um, legislative branch have worked together. Um, but now we're just, we're getting down to the, the pure nuts of the, the act, the self-defense portion of it. Okay. Um, I gotcha. 
And so the transcript talked, I mean, for those of you who want to go out there and read it, it's 135 pages of wow. justices asking questions about why should people have guns? Why shouldn't they have guns? Is there a way to protect the masses without guns? Can you um, discuss what you think would be a good test for someone who, who needs a gun or doesn't need a gun? Or should we have a test? Should there be a need discussion when it comes to guns do we need quote-unquote to have rights or should we be able to freely exercise them um there's a lot of great discussions coming out of justice gorgeous and justice um keegan about what joel and i talked about is and we talked offline about this is the scrutiny idea right and for kids at home that that may not be lawyers there's three tests to figure out whether a constitutional right is can be upheld there's strict scrutiny which is the highest scrutiny possible there's intermediate scrutiny which is kind of a medium test and then a rational basis which is the lowest way to get to a constitutional right and in this case the scrutiny idea is only brought up a handful of times and both sides argue that this isn't a scrutiny idea and i think that's based in the heller case which was the original gun case back in 2008 that talked about a need for guns and a constitutional right for home defense i remember scalia very clearly came out and said you know guns for home defense is again is is very 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 protected under the second amendment right and they said that um, uh, th- in Heller, the restriction that prohibited guns in your house for self-defense was unconstitutional mm-hmm. under any standard of review. But Chris, any that standard. standard of review issue is going to be the issue to watch for in this case. Pretty much all Pretty legal much so. experts are in agreement. And when I say all legal experts, I mean you and me and whoever wants of to course. along with us. But yep. we're all in agreement that this law is probably going to be struck down. why it's struck down and to what extent is going to be the issue. Well, that central to that issue is going to be the standard of review that is applied. You mentioned free speech. Uh, The government actually can put restrictions on your free speech. It has to pass various tests. As you mentioned, Mm -hmm. strict scrutiny. Strict scrutiny means the government has to have a compelling governmental reason for that law, that restriction on your your right, whatever the right is, and right. the law has to be narrowly tailored to achieve that interest. And then you compare that to rational basis. For our listeners, the uh, the upshoot the offshoot of this is that if you apply strict scrutiny, the government restriction most likely is going to fall. It's going to very uh, much be, so uh, struck down. If you apply rational basis. Most likely, the government restriction is going to be upheld. That's just how yes. it works in layman's terms. And so here, here's how it applies here. One of the thoughts was, you're in New York City. It's a crowded city. Do you need right. guns to protect yourself in New York City? Okay, whatever your right. answer to that is, pause. Now let's talk about a school campus. Do you need guns uh, on a school campus, or can the powers that be restrict your access to guns on a school campus? All right, right. Whatever your answer was, how did you distinguish between the two? Or let's just take a, a football arena. You know, right. they were pretty much all in agreement. Oh, you can't allow guns in a football arena. Well, why? I've been in parts of New York City more crowded than that. When I went right. to Times Square, I was shoulder to shoulder with people. You know, 
So how are you going to draw the distinction? That is going to be the real thing to watch in this case. Any thoughts on how the Supreme Court is going to rule? From the questions that I got, um, or I'm sorry, not from the questions, from what I was reading in the in the transcripts, I think they're going to rule it unconstitutional, but they're going to also kick it back to New York to say, come up with something. Like you, restrictions, okay. restrictions are acceptable under the law. You can have restrictions to fundamental rights, depending on how fundamental. And we're not even going to get into the argument of shall not be infringed because the law can infringe on any rights you want, no matter what. Right. Um, but I don't I think they're going to kick it back, but I don't think they're going to hit this scrutiny issue that I really, really, really want them to hit because Heller left it so far open. Heller did not define what scrutiny gets used when you're looking at gun cases, which is what all of us wanted. Specifically, um, they didn't do it. They said in Heller, we are not going to decide that issue because this gun restriction in Heller is unconstitutional under any standard of review. Uh, and so will they do the same thing here? Will they punt it here? They will punt. I, right. I, I feel they'll, they'll, they'll knock it unconstitutional and they'll punt it back to the New York legislature. But I think that they're going to punt it back to the New York legislature because they also don't want to come off as activist judges. We talked a little bit about court packing in the women's health case, but this is another situation where the judges are being well aware of what's going on. If the judges start legislating from the bench, which is something that we've, I, you and I haven't talked about, but a world as a whole has talked about activist judges and the problem with right. judges legislating from the bench. I think they're, John Roberts and his, his team of Supremes they're very mindful of that image <laughs> and and what's going on so they're going to kick like this they're going to they're going to secure power in the women's case and say you can't cut us out and they're going to avoid the abortion topic and here they're going to say like yeah this law is unconstitutional so new york state legislature you need to figure out something else and then bring it back to us because this isn't okay. working i'm sorry chris i've lost everything you just said my mind has raced to the imagery of john roberts and the Supremes. We've got to come up with a movie poster or concert poster of Roberts and the Supremes. Oh, I got to get my marketing team on this. That is a great imagery right there. Thank you for that. Uh, you make great points all the way around, Chris. That's why you're on this this podcast. All right, I'm trying. So I'm trying here. You are, I'm not just a pretty face and a good and a good predictor of football games. I've noticed that that's what Brooke does. Brooke likes to put your picture. On the um, uh, on our marketing materials promoting the it. podcast, and in my mind, I'm thinking, and we used to have Mackenzie Smith, and now we've got, oh my goodness, where got Chris Marone in a bow tie. What is coming oh. on with this world? You know what, Doctor Who. We had Doctor Who now on our <laughs> podcast. You're wearing the bow tie. You're sporting it. It is a good look. All right, a couple other thoughts here in the legal world before we move over to the. The important stuff of the day, football. Uh, football. Let's just talk a little politics. I might as well tick some people off. I'm all about ticking people off. Controversy so, all day long. Chris, I know you are on from the wrong side of the aisle. You are a, a liberal Democrat. So was McKenzie. Is that correct? Or it can is. you say that? I okay, wear it with a badge of honor. It's the flag that I fly. I am not afraid of the word liberal. I embrace it. All right, so um, there, you, there you go. I, I'm baffled. I don't understand it, but nonetheless, <laughs> that, that's good. And and so um, I hear, I'm a conservative. I almost yep. don't even want to call myself a Republican. I'm so turned off with right. the Republicans, but I am a conservative. But nonetheless, mm -hmm. uh, I think that 
that Mark Zuckerberg, the uh, the Facebook owner, and also Meta. Twitter, who's Meta the, who's the head owner. Of Twitter? He doesn't. He doesn't own Facebook anymore. Facebook is now Meta. Okay, you're right. I need to come up with the times. But nonetheless, the mm-hmm. heads of Facebook and Twitter, of I course. think, are closet Republicans. And here is why. I'm just gonna throw it out there and let people get mad. I think I love this closet Republicans because they did the Republican Party a huge favor by keeping Trump on the sidelines. I think by them doing that, by shutting Trump up and by banning him from social media, that allowed for the Republican Party to advance based upon issues and not be sidetracked by his personality. Any thoughts on that? No, he sucks up all the oxygen in the room. You, he is, we joke on the left. We joke that Trump is a democratic plant. He's not. I can make that perfectly clear. He's not one of us. <laughs> oh, but we joke I agree. that he's a democratic plant. He is a democratic plant. Because he's single-handedly destroyed most of the or at least divided most of the Republican parties in ways that Democrats have been trying to do for years through electioneering and and legislation and redistricting and all that jazz. But yeah, you put Trump on the sideline, there's oxygen for people with ideas to talk. And they right. no longer have to step in line with the quote unquote Trump like line. And, and, and one of those people talking, one of those right. people talking would be Biden. And so, hey, let's put the focus on Biden so that that we can have a referendum on his politics. I'm not speaking for you. I'm speaking as a right. as the opposite side here. Mm-hmm. Let's let him talk and bury himself. And I'm too afraid that Trump's going to say, no, 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 no. There's too much attention on Biden. Right. I want that attention on me and what I did or didn't do on uh, January 6th. I fear that's what's going to happen here this next year. Someone there at Facebook is going to wise up, undo the ban, and then we're going to see a little a, a different story next election. I I don't know. I, I hope I'm wrong, but that is what I fear. Of course, I'm speaking somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but nonetheless, right. uh, hey, there was a very interesting election this last week, so I had to mention that. Also in the news, Chris, Jamie uh, Spears, Britney Spears, the dad That's, filed paperwork ooh. this last week to immediately terminate the conservatorship. He said, look, I know I had a request for a $2 million payout. I don't want that. I want this to end right now. Do you find that odd, Chris? Yeah, I find that odd because criminals always want the things to not look at them and put away. They they definitely don't want to be seen or audited or required to account for their years of abuse of the system. Come on. Narcissists and manipulators, they're all the same. All right. We'll have to keep following that. Will the dad's effort to avoid eyes on his cons- duties as a conservator you know I, we think that's what's really going on here the dad is right. trying to uh, avoid turning over all the paperwork he just wants this to be closed up really quickly that's why i say don't even pay me my two million dollars just terminate this right, right now. now we'll monitor that to see how successful he is um let's see is there any other legal news that is all i have for legal news this last week are you ready to rumble and start talking football I'm always ready to start talking football. That that that's almost as dumb as bringing the uh, New York rifle case. We know what's going to happen. We're going to play football all day long. And it was a it was an awkward week. Awkward week in football, man. Awkward as. Why all do day. you say that? 
Because I well, agree with you. There's so many things to talk about. Right. Some are horrendous. Some almost make me shudder. I am afraid yeah. to talk about them because they're so horrendous. And I don't want to make light of it. And right. then we have some things that are less trivial. So what what area do you want to delve into first? There's there's a couple things that make me sad with this last week in football. And I would be remiss because as I've been has been been following the story more and more, it's the Henry Ruggs the third DUI murder story in oh, Las Vegas, story. right? It makes me sad. It makes me so, so sad. Um, because you're now we're now getting more pictures from the crime scene. We're getting more reveal of what's going on. There's more tapes being leaked. You're seeing um, Ruggs's reaction before getting in the car, his reaction after getting out the the hospital stuff. You're getting all the reports from the police, and like it's just a 20, 20 year old kid making the worst mistake humanly possible, right. and completely you know screwing up his future. And it's just it's just sad to see um, on the on the flip side with that as well. It's really great to see what type of elder statesman Derek Carr has become. Um, he what did was, he say? He's been out this whole day today talking about, look, that's my teammate. And a lot of things are going on right now. And he needs someone that's just going to love him and not judge him and help him through this. He's got a lot to account for. He's got to take responsibility like a man. But. And speaking from the Derek Carr first person perspective, Derek Carr is just like, I'm here for you, bro. Like you are right. my team and I love you, man. And I'm here to help you get through this any way possible. Now, and you know, I'm no fan of Nick Saban. Uh, I think I also call him Nick Satan at times, but the coach of Alabama, right. he was Henry Ruggs college coach. And he yep. went on the record to say uh, obviously, you know, the, the standard things of our heart and thoughts and prayers go out to the victim first and everyone right. involved. But then of he course, said of course, of actions course. have consequences. They do. And, right. Even if you're 20 years old, right. don't be an idiot. I mean, come on. Right. Actions have consequences. And you got to realize you can't do that. When you drink alcohol to that level right. and to that extent. Yeah, and it's you know. it's super sad. It I mean the kid had and he was going places, right? Twenty two years old, you know, he had a couple years left on his he was having a great season with the with the Raiders. Um, you know, you and I talked offline about this. He could have been a hundred million dollar player in the next five years. Right. Oh yeah. And easily. And easily a hundred million dollar player. He was going places. And just to see a to see so many in every DUI car accident resulting in a fatality, multiple lives are destroyed, and it is always a sad situation. And so he had, for the record, he was a blood alcohol content of, I believe, 1.6, which is yeah. twice the Double legal, legal limit. limit. Uh, I don't even know how drunk that is. Uh, how drunk is enough to walking? get 156 miles an hour and clip somebody. 156 miles per hour. Now, the, the prosecutors or the DA said he was going down a crowded street. He said this right. was not an accident. This no. was a fatality waiting to happen. I mean, this yeah, you can't really drive was. that fast down a crowded street. This is not the movies. Someone is going to die when this happens. And so acts, actions have consequences. And so that is what I ha obviously he is. He is now no, I mean, I know Derek Carr said he's my teammate. I get that. I'm glad he's supporting him there because people need someone, even when they go through the deepest valleys in their life, which this obviously is. But he's not going to play football anymore. He is done. No, he's uh, he done. would never uh, put another football helmet on. And so, uh, act, again, let's go back to Nick Saban. Actions have consequences. Or right, what other? Let's go to Aaron Rodgers. 
What's up Ooh. with Aaron? What's up with your boy, Aaron Rodgers, not getting the vaccine? Maybe lying about it? I don't know. I saw maybe. that in the news as well that he maybe said he was vaccinated and then it was a different kind of vaccine, like a natural vaccine or whatever. He gets COVID <laughs> at just the right time for the Chiefs. Right. I, I was Chiefs wondering. This week. Is it your birthday? Like I like is it it's is it your anniversary? Up. Like I don't I don't know what's going on because Aaron Rodgers getting COVID right before the Packers play the Chiefs, it seems like you called in a favor to God or something. Like, oh man, when you do your devotions, you, that's why that's why kids you do your devotions. So I shouldn't even joke like that. You pay a little extra in tithing this month? Like I know. Should not joke like that. You know. Threw a little extra yep. in the hat. All right, so Aaron Rodgers gets COVID. I will say for the record, the Chiefs do not have a lot of success against Aaron Rodgers. He has they a don't. number, and so we, this would have been a loss, and now I just checked the the, the spread, and mm-hmm. the Chiefs are seven-and-a-half-point favorite. We'll get there in just yeah. a bit. Aaron Rodgers will most likely be out two weeks, and yep, then he will COVID. be back. And I mention this because this is interesting. A big storyline this last offseason was Aaron Rodgers' conduct. Would he come back to the Green Bay Packers? Would he not? Well, they all decided one more year, and then we'll just see how things go. Well, right now that he's going to be gone for two weeks, his backup, Love, who that's what he was all mad about, Love was drafted first round, should have been a receiver or some help for him. That's what kind of right. ticked off Aaron Rodgers in the first place. He is now going to have two weeks to prove himself. Now, Chris, right. I'm going to just lay this out there. If I had two weeks to prove myself as an NFL quarterback, could you get a better scenario than going up against the Kansas City Chiefs defense? I mean, what a gift to this oh young my gosh, yes. kid. Now he gets to go up against the Swiss Cheese defense, and um, yeah, who knows how many points he's going to score. But he's going to look really good his first week. At least that's my prediction on his behalf. Uh, any, any thoughts on, on um, Aaron Rodgers? Well, I have lots of thoughts. Um, I'm not an Aaron Rodgers guy, but um, I do not wish illness or sickness on anyone. So hopefully COVID isn't ravaging his system. Hopefully he'll get better. You know, football aside, I don't want anyone to any more people to suffer from COVID. I want it. I want um, I want a quick and speedy recovery for him and whatever medicine he he chooses to use. But I'm also super grateful because I never want to see that guy play. I don't care. I don't want to like watch him. I don't want to. I don't want him to be part of the conversation. I just want him to go off into obscurity and enjoy right. whatever he's going to do the rest of his life. That I don't have to see him during football or talk about him or think about him. All right, we are in as agreement long as he is on healthy that. and has a home just away from me. <laughs> All right, that sounds good. No Aaron Rodgers this week or the next, so let's stay tuned nope. and see how Love does in uh, his replacement. All right, that leads oh, me yeah. to this issue. Speaking of the Chiefs, are the Chiefs in real trouble here? Because they have looked very pedestrian. Uh, what is wrong with Patrick Mahomes? I mean, he looks nervous out there, unsure of where he's throwing the ball. It, 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 we thought it was just a blip in the radar. Is it something more than a blip? Now, as a non-Chiefs fan, do you have any uh, insight into this? I mean, outside of, like, the idea that I think something's going on with Mahomes, maybe, you know, now that he's a dad, he's getting less time on the field and more time being at home with his wife and kid and dogs, um, or he's distracted or something, but... 
They just not come into play every week like they used to. There's not that intensity or that heat. Maybe it's because right. he already has his 10-year, $5 trillion contract, and he's part owner Could of the be. Royals. That that took a little bit off of him because he doesn't have to be as competitive and still make the money. But I also look at Patrick Mahomes. I'm like, dude, you're a competitor. Like, you thrive right. off of this. So I don't know if it's just a funk, if he's trying to figure it out, if it's a post-COVID world, if maybe Andy Reid's a little – a little off as well. You know, he's still dealing yes. with the ramifications of the Super Bowl and his son's car accident. Right. right. You know, there was some coaching changes. Like, um, I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. Right. Like it could, it could be a lot of things, but I think that they're just not performing at a level in which they were many, many years ago. Okay. Chris, I appreciate that coming from a non, a cheese fan. Now let me go yeah. ahead and offer and do what I do best, which is offer hope. To those of us out there grieving in Chiefs land, there is yep. hope out there. The sky is clearing. I can see it. The sun is coming out tomorrow. It's going to be a good day in Chiefs land. And here is why. Are the Chiefs mm -hmm. in trouble? Yes, they are. But it can be fixed. Let me uh, unpack why. The probably there's a lot of factors going in right now to lead to our disarray. You mentioned the fact that that um, Patrick Mahomes is a very young dad. He has a right. new kid, uh, Sterling uh, Mahomes, and she is a. We've seen pictures of her. She's an absolute cute, darling girl. Yeah. And I just saw a picture of them on Halloween and all oh, super costumes. Cute. He is enjoying fatherhood, but you and I have been there and. Um, yeah, you know what? It's a it, it, you stay up late at night, and so yeah. it's a, it's it's hard to to, to be a young dad, and right. so yeah, he's probably is not spending as much time in the playbooks because he's doing dad duties, and I think that is okay. I don't mind rooting for my team when my quarterback is has his priorities straight and he's doing dad duty. That being said. He will find a way to do both. Uh, he'll come. He'll start focusing in now. That's the second half of the season. It's a serious time here. He has learned. I got to bring more to my game here, more to my 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 preparation. I think you're going to see that. Also, what yeah. you're going to see, Chris, is a a schematic change in our offense. What defenses are doing is they are leaving too deep in their, their safeties, too deep safeties. Yeah. Most teams only have one deep safety. Yep. Because of the chief speed, they have two. That means we got to go to more intermediate passes. That's hard for us to do. We don't quite know how to do that yet. We like the long bomb. Andy Reid will find a way to scheme an offense where we use Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey more. We do the intermediate right, right, right. passes. He'll figure out a way. It might take a few games. We will get there. Let's not lose heart. The defenses have figured out how to stop the Chiefs. We have the talent. We have the genius. It will come to be. So there you go. The sky is parting. The sun is coming back out. It'll be a brighter day tomorrow. So, Chris. I'm going to use this as a segue to say my first pick of this week. Let's go into our, our betting picks of the week. Love it. I'm going to take the Chiefs uh, here over the Packers. The Packers are uh, – the Chiefs are favored by seven and a half points. That, <laughs> that, that was such me. a swing. Like, that, yeah, that two me. days ago, right? Yesterday or two days ago, Aaron Rodgers gets COVID, and all of a sudden it goes from a – a four-point or four-and-a-half-point Packers victory to a seven-and-a-half-point Chiefs victory. It's an 11-point swing with COVID. 
It's insane. Wow. It's insane. Should have taken that bet. I'm going to pick the Chiefs. This is probably more with my heart. But nonetheless, I am going to take the Chiefs because I think we are good against rookie quarterbacks. That's what we have here. For sure. We're going to shut this rookie quarterback down. He will throw a couple of interceptions. And so we will feed up on that. That would be nice. uh, Feed on that, and we will cover that 7.5-point spread. All right. Uh, Let me give you my other picks, and I want to hear what your picks are. I am going to take the 49ers. Over Ooh. Arizona. Arizona is favored by one. Ooh. It's almost a pick em game. I am taking the 49ers because I believe in their defense. I think they are going to figure things out. I think Arizona has kind of reached their peak. I'm just not a big believer in Arizona. I'm so sorry. I know that's where you live. Jeff yeah. Clingsbury was the coach of Texas Tech. Couldn't even win regularly with Patrick Mahomes. I, I have right. no faith in that program there. So I think the 49ers are going to take it to Arizona. Mm-hmm. The Chargers are one and a half point favorite over the Eagles. I am going with the Chargers in this one. Again, almost a pick em game. I think the Chargers are well coached, have a better quarterback. So I'm going to go with them. The Patriots over the Panthers, uh, they are favored by three and a half. I think the Patriots have got it going now. I hate to say that. I cannot stand their coach, but I think they got things going in the right direction. They will cover the three and a half a point spread. Lastly, I'm going to go with here. The Browns over the Bengals. I, I, I struggle Ooh. with this one. I, I, I do not want to do this. I want to stay away from this game. But oh. they kicked out OJ, a Beckham. And so I think yeah. it's the start of a new day for the Browns. They needed yep. to do that. They did that. Things will be better for the Browns. As much as I'm a huge Bengals fan, I love their quarterback and coach. I am going with the Browns in that game. A plus the two and a half. The Bengals are the favorite. So it's Browns plus two and a half. Uh, what are your picks? You know what's funny is, and I don't know if the listeners at home, we don't talk about our picks before we we shout them out here. So it's always fun to, to hear one of us because I picked some of the same games you did. Niners versus Arizona, right? I, I live in Arizona. I'm a Niners fan. So, of course, I got to pick this game. A one point and an over under a 45. I'm going to go with San Francisco to win. We're due for a victory here. Garoppolo was looking right. pretty strong at practices this week. So I'm going to go Niners are going to win. Um, I don't even want to touch the over under because it just makes me scary to think that they're going to score this much in the game. So right, I'm going to go right. with Niners to win. Browns Bengals. I also chose the Browns to win. Okay. Like, absolutely. I think the Browns are going to are going to decimate the Bengals. Um, the Bengals lost to the Jets. Their pride's hurt. Like, <laughs> right, right. They, they lost to the Jets to a backup quarterback on the Jets. Right. So I, I think the Bengals are kind of in a scramble mode, and the Browns might be stepping it up. Um, yes. Uh, Patriots-Panthers. I chose the Panthers. I think uh, that's okay. going to be my wild, my wild card choice, right? I throw out a wild card choice every once in a while. Um, I want to see the Panthers win because I just really don't like Belichick, and I just really want to see. <laughs> I just want to see your hard pick. I got gotcha. you. Right. Uh, Chargers Eagles, another 1.5 game. I'm loving these. I'm loving the stats this time around because there's like six or seven games that are like one, one and a half, two, two and a half games. Like, right. There's serious close games. So Chargers at Eagles, um, the Eagles, or I'm sorry, the Chargers are the favored to win. And I think the Chargers are going to pull it out. Um, okay. Though they are playing in Philly, um, I think the Chargers are going to pull it out and they're going to cover the spread, right? They're going to win by more than 1.5 points. That's right. going to be an easy one. Um, last one I got is Titans versus the Rams. Yes. I looked at that one. That's tough. <sighs> it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Cause you got, 
You got Titans are six and two. You got Rams seven and one. Uh, Rams, of course, are my choice for the Super Bowl, so I'm always trying to pull for them. Um, my problem is, is they have the Rams by seven point five. Right now, I think the Rams are going to win. I think the Rams are pulling it together. They're revving up speed. They're doing well. They're not going to win by seven point five. Okay. I think they're not going. So they're going to win, but they're not going to cover. Do you know why I think that's a good pick? Oh, go on. I was going to say, especially because the over-under is 54. Yeah. Like, that means that the Rams are going to have to win by a ton for them to cover the the thing. And I just don't think it's going to be there. So I'm going to pick the Rams not to cover. Here's why I think that is a good pick, and I almost picked it, but I didn't. But here's why I think it's good. Yeah. I I like to pick these games where the national storyline, I think, is wrong. The national storyline for this game is that the Titans, now that they have lost Derrick Henry for the season, are in disarray. They have no idea what they are going to do, and without their superstar, their MVP, they're going to be fluttering around. I, re- right. I don't think that's the correct storyline because, I guess, Derrick Henry is good. They also have a good quarterback, and they have a good receivers. And as you know, I think running backs are a dime a dozen. I think they oh, will game easily. plan for this game, and they will be better than the the, 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 the national storyline predicts them to be without Derrick Henry. And so I, I like to pick those games that run counter to the national storyline. And that would have been it. I just couldn't pull the trigger. Because Derrick Henry is that good. And so I don't have enough he guts is. as you really do, is. but I, I like that game. You know, a couple of other games I want to just throw out there for us to talk about because I found them interesting. Missouri in college. Oh, the co- we didn't a, even hit on a, college crap right now, man. College world's in disarray. I, we got to hit that for a little bit too. Oh, I know. Missouri is a 38.5-point underdog to Georgia. Wow, <laughs> 38 and a half points for an SEC game. I don't oh, yeah. I wanted to pick yeah. that one, but I couldn't do it. But that is a lot of, that is a huge spread. Here's another interesting spread. Wake Forest is undefeated. Okay. They are ranked, I think, eighth or ninth in the country. They get no respect whatsoever. Zero. They are in the ACC Zero. and they are undefeated. And they're playing unranked North Carolina. And they're not even the favorite. North Carolina is favored by two and a half. I found that game to be really interesting and telling. So I'll be watching that one, though I will not be betting on that game. But yeah, uh, college football is in in arrears. It's in disarray right now, you you say. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, look at the CFP came out. College football playoffs came out. And it was an absolute ridiculous stack of who's in the playoff picture, who's not in the playoff picture. It, It is a very clear... Um, grab by the NCAA for the CFP as a as a pure dollars grab. That's all it is. It is not even. I cannot believe they put Cincinnati. What right. sixth? Sixth. They have a top ten win against Notre Dame, and they've picked them sixth behind right. one loss, uh, Alabama, who has yet to have a top ten win, right. and Ohio State, who got killed by Oregon. Right. I don't like I get Georgia. Okay. I'm not even gonna I, I right. get Georgia. Georgia's fine. Georgia's fine. But number two is Alabama, number three is Michigan State, and number four is Oregon. At what what world does the NCAA live in that two, three, four, five, and six are are where they're at? Wake Forest is undefeated and has a couple of wins, if I remember correctly, against top ten teams. So why are yes. they number nine? Right. right, and who's gonna throw BYU at number fifteen? Like, come on, you're killing right, me, right. Smalls. 
absolutely Here, killing me. Now, some of you will say it doesn't make a difference that Alabama is number two. They're going to have to play Georgia in the right. SEC championship game. It'll all sort itself out. Right. Chris, that's hogwash. I mean, here's 100%. why. Your ranking makes a difference. If you are ranked two and you lose a closely fought contest to Georgia that's ranked one, you're Nothing not following, falling that Nothing far. Changes. You might fall to three. You might fall to four. That's it. You won't. So your right. ranking does make a difference when you eventually lose. Yeah, but if you, like, look, if Alabama loses to Georgia, they fall to three, they're still in the CFP. If, right. if Oregon loses to Georgia, they fall to, like, nine or ten. Or if, yes. or if, uh, or if Michigan loses to Georgia or loses to Alabama, they'll fall to nine or ten. It's absolute crap that somehow Alabama could lose. Alabama could lose to Michigan State, and they'll just change from two to three. <laughs> Right, 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 right. It's, now, of course, none of those games will actually happen because they're out no. of conference, but I get your right. point. It's like there is this Alabama bias where they oh, yes. have them ranked so high. I think it's because they want to ensure that when there is that loss between Alabama or Georgia, the loser stays in the top four. That's why that him. was done. It was strategic. We are they getting two SEC teams in the final four, and that's hogwash. Why do I say it's hogwash? Because SEC does not schedule the likes of Cincinnati. They won't nope. play these other teams. As long as they nope. play themselves, they say, oh, look, we're good. They're trying to exclude these other people. And Chris, Small market teams know, every time. Here, here is the money that's all about it. This is right. about big time money. I looked it up and researched it two years ago. The payout was $6 million if you are in the playoffs. That goes wow. to the conference. So the right. S, these big conferences make millions of dollars right. just for their teams being in the conference. They don't want to share that with Ever. Cincinnati and that conference. Ever. They don't want to, there is a reason why no non top five conference has ever been in the playoffs. It's all about money. So there you of go. We is. will get into that more later because that just really gets me riled up. All right, it Chris, totally let's does. give a little bit of a teaser next week. What are we gonna do? Oh, it's the it's the it's the halfway review, man. We're gonna look back at our picks. We're gonna see what's going on halfway through the season. Adjust, maybe make some new calls on who's gonna be where, what's gonna happen, and uh, we're gonna hate on Bill Belichick and Urban Meyer like every day. Yes, we are gonna review our. We'll go back to our Super Bowl picks, review what right. they were, say do we want to change those? Are we cowards? Are we gonna stick to it? Why we're we gonna stick to it? Hand out our halfway MVP awards and things yep. like that. I might come up with our own my own new list of creative awards to hand out. But it'll be our halfway point uh, season uh, show next week. So, hey, Chris, have a great week, and we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week, Joel. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, Please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for spreading the good word about us. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Triplicity Marketing for our technical and computer support. Mm-hmm.